White Hot Magazine, one of the world's leading platforms and institutions for contemporary art. Visit us online at whitehotmagazine.com and follow us on social media. Claudia Hart was educated in art and architectural history in the late 70s and early 80s at NYU and Columbia University. This training was and remains formative to her late 90s digital art practice that first saw her exhibiting intermediate work for a dozen years in the New York downtown art scene. Hart then transferred her analog practice into digital space and since then has always bridged these two worlds. Part feminist artist, part art historian artist, Claudia Hart traces the history of representation from the analog to the digital in her works, as well as through curating and writing. She was instrumental in the cultivation of the post-photographic movement, and Hart places her own work in the work of fellow partisans of the simulations media art community, which she also cultivated, into an emerging art history, one that begins with the invention of mathematical perspective and extends through photography, finally arriving at the present moment when 3D animation virtual and augmented realities in the NFT metaverse have seized the public imagination. She continues to channel history, thinking of her animations, experimental theater, VR, and AR work as simulated historical enactments in an artificial world. Here she is in conversation with gallerist Honor Fraser, whose LA gallery will host the Claudia Hart curated group exhibition, Digital Combines, through early April where through the artist's questions, we take a closer look at the mind of a gallerist. And so I'm going to ask her because I'm very, very fascinated. Um, questions about how she came to do this show um, and how she, as a very respected painting gallery, who showed paintings that I really liked for many, many years, um, had a change of heart some years back and became very involved in digital art and the NFT space, but also digital art in general. And so let's start by telling um, me a little bit about that because I'd love to know how this happened. Um, yes, I think I... Um I think the Trump administration, funnily enough, brought up a lot of um, need to change and rethink things for me. Um, and combined with, at the time, reading quite a bit about tech and the influence of tech on our lives, none of which in my jumping into my, um, my, sort of, uh, my uh, use of tech and consumption of tech had no idea about the implications of what I was giving away to the world. I mean, we, these are now normal stories that we're all reckoning with and, and realizing, but at the time it was very new for me. Um, I don't know if you've read the book Zucked, but it was so interesting, that idea of, you know, really what we had given away without any idea. And I was really looking to, and I feel like the sort of chaos of the, I suppose the power of Web2 and, and companies really taking the force of government and, and away from us by us 
subscribing to that. You mean a, that. how they accumulated data about yeah, us and personal information yeah. and all that? Yeah. And, and, and realizing how much we've given away as a society. And I think the election of Trump was in part to do with that. It was in part to do with the power of those tech companies that, again, we had, without even realizing it, given, given them all of this power. And, um, and I really felt that the art world was probably, was not necessarily reflecting some of these cataclysmic changes um, that, we are, that we then had to endure. <laughs> um, and, and I began to relate it back to the digital and to the power of tech and to what had happened to the power of tech. And in my desperate state, realized how I really needed, once again, at various points in my life I've found, found this, but I really needed artists' help to understand what the hell was going on and how our culture had really shifted without me even realizing. I was subscribing, I was a consumer, I didn't realize that I was. I didn't realize what I was consuming, what I was giving away. And I had worked with some artists, Victoria Fu, I'd worked with Rhizome, Michael Connor had curated a show here, I worked with Jeremy Blake, all of whose work I was really intrigued by, but didn't really know how to position and didn't really know how to contextualize it in my day-to-day -day kind of gallery operations. But along with this sort of explosion of all things during that period, during the Trump administration, I think I also lost faith in the art world. I didn't feel like the art world was reflecting these movements, these shifts, these cultural shifts. And I became really sort of optimistic, perhaps falsely, but I became very in need of some optimism and again, always look to artists in those moments to explain things. Um, the optimism that I questioned was in the potential of the blockchain, the potential of um, could, could so many of these things be resolved with this contentious label of Web3, but more importantly the blockchain, how the blockchain could fundamentally shift so many of our systems, perhaps bringing trust back. And again, it sounds so naive in a way, but I really hoped that there might be, uh, if, if we were using the blockchain for elections, for instance, would there be less of our psychic space taken up by, our, by needless and pointless arguments? And all of these things became really critical, I think. So then the positive is then being able to, in my position, go back to artists for explanation, see the tools concurrently that as with all of the development in, te in, te in the tech space, also seeing the tools that were then available to artists. Three or four years ago, there were so many fewer tools. I and mean, you'd know whether that's true or not, because I maybe it was just my awareness, but being really motivated by, um, by concurrent with all of these feelings, seeing how artists were suddenly able to adopt these tools, have much more access to these tools. Certain patrons were giving, who I knew were giving access. There's a patron couple here who you'll meet, who were being given, giving artists the access to these otherwise very expensive, very difficult to get tools. I know who I know them because they gave tools to one of my former students. There and, you go. and and yes. just feeling like I wanted to be a part of that conversation. That there lies the hope. The combination of understanding perhaps the blockchain, understanding these tools, which it's really new for me. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> there's a lot of work to be doing. And being able in my lucky position to sort of collaborate with artists and through artists who've been working in this space really see where the hope lies potentially and I think that's in large part 
what happened. And concurrently also feeling completely lost within the Trump administration, really not so engaged any longer in the old systems and the art world, because I didn't feel like they were updating. I didn't feel like, mm -hmm. I think they became, I think the Trump administration perhaps became sort of, the art fair system is determining so much of what galleries show, what they do. Commerce determines everything. Building the brands of the artist's name, it seems to be so much for the sake of commerce. And I just wanted to take a step back from that. It didn't seem right to be focusing on that in this moment of cultural impoverishment that I was feeling, or, or, and, and really just desperate. <laughs> well, I think also it has something to do, I think all of these things, the idea of the algorithmic self, how much uh, technology, uh, the story of Cambridge Analytica, mm -hmm. and how uh, the far right used all the data that was collected by Facebook in yeah. order to target groups to brainwash and manipulate them for political purposes. That's one thing that happened. And at the same time is COVID, mm -hmm. and COVID threw us into quarantine. Yeah. So I... P.S. I, I want to respond, um, not that, I mean, there have been a lot of tools for a long time, and what's really changed is the shift mm -hmm. in attention and focus, mm -hmm. and I think that helped us, um, people who were working with these kind of mediums for many, many years, and developing them parallel to the art world, mm -hmm. um, with many of the same uh, interests in common, but the difference in our interest was that we always understood how our tools were part of this larger cultural shift that had to do with the impact of technology. Mm -hmm. And I think that the reason why we noticed this now was two things. The, the, the way that um, the algorithmic cells, mm -hmm. the data accrued and stolen, from humans to track them and manipulate them politically. Um, but there was also the quarantine where we're thrown into isolation yeah. and media obviously um, became so profoundly important as a means to connect to others emotionally and personally. Yeah. So, so do you feel, um, so uh, you wanna talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I think so many of these shifts happened before COVID, and I did um, begin to sort of, I, I told artists who I've worked with for a long time that I didn't want to do the representation model any longer, and I wanted to do more project-based shows, more project-based ide ideas-driven shows versus single artist shows necessarily, and, and that's going to shift again, but I just wanted to be in this period where I was, was more collaborative and less... Um, but I didn't really know where that was going to fall, and then comes COVID. So we then have um, a year of yeah, a year of lockdown, and and I think that was hugely central in realizing how unbelievably valuable these tools are for connectivity when we had none in the regular. Well, world. they're not just for connectivity; they're for making art with, and that we could use because art is connectivity. Yeah. So that that breeds me breeds me, ooh, that brings me to two things. Um, also, I want it makes me think of one other thing, which is that I want to talk about the show that we're doing together, mm -hmm. because it seemed to me from the outside that you were uh, stopped representing also for many reasons. Uh, in the, before 
COVID, before NFT, many of us thought that we don't need galleries anymore. Mm -hmm. And the NFT made us um, independent. But of course, what happened is NFTs were immediately co-opted, became part of the hyper-commercialization of art that we've been living through in the art world, or you have, because I was in the digital art world and nobody wanted to buy us. But now what's actually happened is we got co-opted and the same exact thing except on steroids has happened that happened in the regular art world. So I, I, I think um, we were always around. Yeah. And the difference with us is that we were interested in the impact of technology on culture as a theme and then we used it as a medium. So it seemed, looking at the outside, that you, um, it, there was a moment when it seemed like we didn't need galleries, but actually we totally need galleries because we need somebody who's caring. Um, I mean, the role of gallery is both commercial and personal, so good galleries are like that. So the, the NFT gold rush has not been particularly great for artists in that sense, right? Yeah. Need, we need help. But I also found that you were doing this to explore and to learn. And so bringing people in like me and the various others, mm -hmm. um, we are telling you our stories. Yes. In our different branches, because we're all in different areas. So Definitely. And I, I would like to immerse myself day to day in, those, in that knowledge base and also share it, because very few people have access to that knowledge, um, collectively of the fine art world that I know previously. Um, because they have, as you say, they have been kept very separate. And I'd love to, when I first had a gallery, I felt like I was a bridge between two different things. And that has now shifted to now being a bridge between, you know, there's, there's new bridging happening. Another two things. <laughs> <laughs> Another bridge. Um, but so, and that's always been exciting to me about the role. Like if, if I can bring into the same room two people that otherwise wouldn't find each other, necessarily based on the way, you know, cultural movements move, then, then that's really rewarding, especially if, if education is at the, is at the core of that. Um, that's, that's why it's actually interesting to do a podcast about a show that's extremely visual, mm -hmm. but we're not showing the work. And I think that that is also valuable mm -hmm. because one of the things you have done is you're making all of these a series of conversations what you, um, you've been making these talks at the, the gallery and we are gonna do one on Saturday and the talks are about opening up the, these different worlds that didn't know each other before mm -hmm. yeah. and trying to find common language. Mm -hmm. So here we are talking about, on the basis of a very visual show, yeah, except we're speaking, but I think that's sort of part of the, what's happening now. Yeah. Yeah, and I really find the appetite for it. I, I mean, you, you were here earlier, and you know, we would have people coming in and sitting in the gallery for hours. That wasn't happening to me three years ago. They wouldn't sit here and want to exchange with other people who had this like-minded interest because the interest was saturated already. And, and that I find really intriguing and interesting. I mean, I think in part it's coming out of COVID or some version of coming out of it and people wanting to communicate again and be together again. But in the fall, around Jesse Damiani's show, and um, it, we had Synthetic Wilderness, we had incredible exchange of information, incredible, generous, generative conversations. And so that is really motivating it. And, um, and equally, 
in this show there are multiple different ways I think of experiencing it. Um, it is fundamentally a very beautiful show. The reason I wanted to work with you, Claudia, is that I think your read of anything is only ever going to be very human, despite you calling yourself a robot. <laughs> and that was so appealing to me and so intriguing about this very humanizing space. You, you humanize the space. I, what, what some people are afraid of being that it is quite sterile or cold or, or slick. There's something to me that's so appealing about the humanity in the way you exchange in this, in this space. And insist on it and insist on the on 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 that historical reference that human reference um and i feel that very strongly in this show and that's really important to me too and well i think what i've always tried to do from the beginning because i come i hate to say it but i come from the art world so what that means is i had a practice and I fell in love with art as a child, and, but I was a person of, uh, not just person, a woman of mathematical abilities, which made me sort of an odd, oddball. And um, so I fell into this, I fell in love with both. Mm -hmm. And so I've spent my life trying to bridge that. Right. Um, but I would also say that it has something to, so, and the way I've done that, because I've also developed a pedagogical pro program at the School of the Art Institute, and it was um, based on um, immersive mediums, so 3D, um, and then as they were invented, like animation, as in what Pixar does, but doing it from an artistic um, point of view, from the histories of painting, from the histories of sculpture, photography, experimental film, and video, and then moving that into the present. And so one of the things that I did and that I really wanted to do was to teach young artists because the School of the Art Institute is very arty. It's not a training school for people who are gonna work in industry and very proud of that. Um, how to improvise and um, break the rigid rules that software um, and uh, um, procedural systems have built into them. Mm -hmm. So I wanted them to break the box, to humanize it, to break the software, to glitch the software, not just software, through the, you know, because when you, uh, software art is about making your own software, and I do both. I both make my own software and I glitch existing 3D animation softwares that are used by companies like um, Bitforms. And in that, making mistakes and allowing the unconscious to flow through and the improvising that we all feel is human um, is, you know, be became manifested in the work of me and my students and pe many of whom you know. Mm -hmm. and to show very broadly all over um, the, in the digital space. So anyway, that is sort of what the show is about that we're doing, right? Yeah. So the show, I'm going to say one little statement about it, but because I'm interested in your impression because I'm really into how to communicating in a broader way with people. And... I always 
Um, I will say my mom died five years ago, but she was my biggest fan. She wanted me to be an artist. She forced me to do this. I'm not Did really she? that rebellious yet. Mm -hmm. She sent me to the Brooklyn Museum School when I was but a child. She used to bring me to the Met and leave me there. But um, because I grew up in New York and well, you didn't really play in the streets in those days. But in any case, um, I think that, wait a minute, what do I think? Well, oh, my audience is my mom. I always tried to, you know, I'm very conceptually oriented in my practice, but I always want to communicate to my mom who has died. Like, if my mom can understand what I'm saying, then I'm happy. And so that's why I'm very steeped in, in, in math and in art history. And I think I get very obscure sometimes. So I'm more interested in what you think this show is about. Mm -hmm. Would you mind explaining it to me? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think that, I mean, I, I keep thinking of having these two portals back to the physical portal and then the, the, the QR code as this portal back to the DNA that is essentially the DNA of that piece. So you want to describe it? What the, the show is called Digital Combines. A digital Combines. Um, and Claudia, of course, it's your term. Um, borrowing from Rauschenberg's combine concept. And um, we are making the argument that, and I think it's a really, it's a, it, will, it can be a really interesting way for um, the challenge that we have here to be, uh, to, to try and again, bring the fine art world to this digital world. Um, I mean, they're interconnected at this point. I don't want to say that they're too separate. They're close, that's why we're here. We couldn't do this if it wasn't yeah. close. So, yeah. so back to the bridge, I think the concept is a bridge concept. And we hope that, and, and, and we'll see. Um, but if we think of those two portals coming to wait, this Wait, wait, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to force you to say, because this show is about a physical work, like a painting, a thing on the wall that's beautiful, mm -hmm. right? And, and a digital file. Yes. That we use the NFT um, smart, con um, smart contract, actually the metadata, data, which is like a certificate of authenticity or a d an addendum to a contract to state that this um, ephemeral dematerialized object and a materialized object are one. Mm -hmm. And we do that by having a picture on the wall and a QR code next to it. And you, you QR code allows you to see the digital or hear the digital component. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. And, um, and there are so many processes in the show that I think um, bring us to that. I mean, the puncturing of the surface of, the sh of, of, of some of the surfaces in the embroidery, both with Levitt's work and with Greta's work, you do get this incredible sense of the physical. You get this incredibly sense of, sense of the emotive in Jacob's work. These things are not things that I would associate necessarily with a digital file. Perhaps wrongly, very, perhaps very wrongly. But I think this is a great way to, for me personally, with very little literacy, to begin to connect, to, to see the literature, to begin to make those connections. I can see that the digital is at the core of these works. I can see that the, the, the artists have spent so much time on the various layers of the digital in order to in order for the piece to be what it is. We're forcing 
that connection back to that DNA through the, through the QR code. We're encouraging that connection. We're, we're making that inter, interconnection. It, it exists in the DNA. We have to acknowledge it. You can't not acknowledge it with these works. I think these works can be experienced without that acknowledgement. And I think we are, I hope we are helping our audience explore that relationship. That, that, that it is interconnected and we can't deny it. That's great. Thank you. My pleasure.